Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. All right, now, Pastor Tim McNamee, I actually, he, on Wednesday we were talking about this service, and he was like, I'm going to do like a Super Bowl service, and I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's this Sunday, cool. <laughs> that just shows the difference of where we were at, but since Pastor Rick has had his surgery, and it was a little last minute, Pastor Tim said, I will gladly do that for you. And so I would like to actually pray for him real quick. Um, And so if you guys could just reach your hands forward, and we're going to pray for Pastor Tim. Jesus, I thank you so much for the message that you have for Pastor Tim McNamee today. God, I just pray that you bless it and let your words flow through his mouth. God, bring the Holy Spirit upon him and whatever we need today. I just pray that you use that through him. God, you're amazing. I'm so excited for what you have to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Pastor Evan. Welcome to Super Bowl Sunday. We can't do it outside, but look what God did. He just brought the sun right into the tailgate party. So he's, he's real good about that. So uh, we're glad to be here. It's, it's, it's just a, it's a hard when you don't get to see your church family, and I know a lot of you know that. And we want to say thank you to everybody that's been praying for us after the accident. Kathy and Caden and I were in, and Caden and I are pretty much fully recovered, and Kathy's getting closer and getting good reports from her doctor every time she goes. So Thank you for those that have brought meals out and prayed for us and emailed us and sent cards and just, we're so grateful for all that. So, um, but today, I, you know, when Pastor Rick asked me to uh, preach for him, I said, great, you know, I got exactly, I know exactly what I want to do with Super Bowl Sunday. I'm going to go out and get a, a Tom Brady Tampa, Buck, Tampa Bay jersey and a, and a, what's that other guy's name, Mahomes, get a jersey. Do you know you can't find a Tampa Bay or a Kansas City jersey anywhere in this city? A t-shirt, a hat, you can't, they're nowhere to be found. So I had to do cowboys. I just had to. So anyway, I thought I was going to call Rob because he's a big fan and say, hey, bring some of your stuff. I don't know if I have enough, but this isn't even all of it. So anyway, I had, I had plenty as it turned out. So, uh, but I want to bring you a message today, and, and um, I believe it's one that is timely for where we are, not just because it's Super Bowl Sunday, but because of the times that we live in. And I want to talk to you about the title of the message today is Tailgating for God. And we're going to get into all that in just a minute. But I want, to, I want to tell you a little bit about some of the things that you're seeing up here today because these things mean a lot to me. It's, it's not just, you know, most of them are gifts, number one. But on, on the stage here today, probably my, my greatest possession that I have from my father is the tailgate from his 1980 Chevy S10. And so I'll keep that probably forever. And uh, this, this was made by my grandson, Caden, for a Christmas present over here, so it's very precious to me, this, the bottle cap board. Uh, but maybe the most important thing that you see on this stage today is this comic book with Tom Landry on the front. It's not just a normal comic book. It's not just to make you laugh. In fact, it doesn't make you laugh very much at all. But Tom Landry was such a great man of God and loved God so much and if any of you are a Cowboys fan, you know this. He didn't allow foul language in the locker room. Can you, can you imagine that today? No foul language in the locker room for Tom Landry. That makes him the greatest coach ever. It doesn't matter how many Super Bowls. doesn't matter anything else. But in this comic book, and if you want to look at it, you're welcome to afterwards. In this comic book, he leads players to Jesus Christ. He prays with them. He leads his team in prayer. He closes out in prayer. He, he, it's just amazing. It's a great little thing. And, it's, and when I was a kid, when I was young, when I was fat, battling for my faith, and my mom had me in church every week, and I still wasn't accepting Jesus, when, when all that was going on, I was reading this comic book. And it played a large role in me finally making a decision for Christ. And so these are the things that they just mean stuff to me. Most of these other things are gifts from my family. This thing over here, uh, some of you know what this is. This is the original PS4 right here, electric football, right? Come on, somebody. Me and Rob already talked about it. We spent hours. Man, and when your guy broke free, he's vibrating down the field, and he's running down the field, and it's buzzing, and all of a sudden he turns around, and he starts running towards the other end zone. And you try to, go, you try to say, go out of bounds, you idiot. So these are just things that mean something to me. 
And tailgating for God is, um, well, it defines and separates a fan from a fanatic. Um, I, I'm wearing a shirt today, and I, I want you guys to remember this first. It's not going to be on the screen, and it's not our main text, but I want this to resonate in your spirit and in your heart as we preach on today. This church says that I'm causing trouble all over the world for God. And on the back, it's Acts 17.6, I found out, instead of colon, 17.6. And listen to what it says. And I want this to just rest in your heart and in your mind as you hear the message today. Acts chapter 17 verse 6 says, And they took them before the city council. And they said, Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world. They shouted and said, And now they have come to our city, disrupting our city too. And as we think about who we are in Christ, we should be troublemakers for the devil. That's what they were talking about. Paul and Silas weren't just causing trouble and stealing and vandalizing. They were causing trouble for the devil by preaching the gospel and singing the praises of God in prison. They were troublemakers for the enemy. And as Christians and as believers, especially in the day we live in right now, how many believe that we need to be troublemakers for the devil? He ought to get worried when he sees us on our knees. He ought to get scared when he sees us reaching out. And it goes on to say, it said, and they shouted, now they're here disrupting our city too. That is the call for the Christian today, to be a disruptor, to be a troublemaker, to get in and disrupt the things that aren't of God. And as we tie that into tailgating for God today, I don't know if you've ever been to a tailgate party, but these guys are fanatics. And I'm not just talking guys, I'm talking to ladies too. In fact, I, we put out a word for everybody to wear their favorite jersey if you have one. And the winner of the best jersey at CFA today is Priscilla. Where's she at? All right, stand up, stand up. Look at this jersey. This is a Cole Beasley, number 11, Cowboys jersey. Give it up for her. She's the winner of the best jersey today. And I say that because Cole Beasley is not the guy who's going to sell a million jerseys. You know, that was the Emmett Smith, and that was the Roger Stallback, and that was Peyton Manning, all these guys, all the quarterbacks and the big running backs. But that guy was the best slot receiver I've ever seen in my life. And he's behind the scenes. He's not the guy making trouble on the sideline. He's not being loud. He's not being obnoxious. He just goes out there, and he gets the job done. Do you know, as Christians, we can go out there, we don't have to be obnoxious, we don't have to be loud, and we can still get the job done. Can I get an amen? That's who we are. That's who we should be. You see, there's a big difference between being a fan and a fanatic. Let, let me tell you some of those things. And tailgating for God gives expression to our fanaticism. People should know who you are. People should know you're a Christian. If you go to work someplace and they don't know you're saved, you got a problem. You might be a fan of God and church and the Bible, but you're not fanatic for God. So here's some things. Here's how to tell the difference. A fan thanks God for saving him. But a fanatic thanks God for saving him and begs God to use him. You see the difference? We can be grateful for our salvation, but what do we do with it afterwards? That's the difference between being a fan of God and a fan of his works than being fanatical with God and begging him to use us. A fan serves God when it's convenient, but a fanatic serves God when it's inconvenient. You see the difference? It, it seems mild when things are going right and we're all cheering and all that and doing our thing and, and serving God and, and being good. It's easy, it's convenient, it works in my schedule. But then something comes along and you know God's telling you to do it, but it's inconvenient. That's the difference between a fan and a fanatic. A fan reads the Bible, a fanatic lives the Bible. There's a difference. There's a difference. A fan prays to live, but a fanatic lives to pray. How's your prayer life? It'll tell you whether you're a fan or a fanatic. It's all in there. It's, it's all relevant. A fan will shout on occasion, but a fanatic will shout on every occasion they get to praise God. Are you fanatical about the things of God? Fanatical about God. A fan will fill a seat, but a fanatic will fill the aisle. I mean, if, if, the, if they get a reason to shout and lift their hands, that's a fanatic. A fan stays in the comfort zone. Now listen to me, you know where I'm going with this. A fan stays in the comfort zone, but a fanatic dances in the end zone and does everything he can do to score for the kingdom. I asked my grandkids to do a, an end zone touchdown dance, but I, I, what I saw just would have been disturbing to you, so I just decided, 
I just decided to forego that. You see, God, God is ready for fanatics to rise, especially in this time. We know what we've been through, and we're still going through it. And God needs not just fans to rise, not just people to give him lip service, but fanatics that will actually step out and do whatever he tells you to do. So we're here today at Columbus First Assembly of God trying to determine in our hearts already is he calling me a fan or is he calling me a fanatic? I ain't calling you nothing because I don't know. But you do and he does. You do and he does. So today I want to take you through something. You see, when we start talking about fanaticism, now listen, to become a true fanatic for God, you must understand the process. There is a process to it. There is a process to it. It's the understanding that because of Christ and his work on the cross, we will never and should never be the same. If you've gotten saved, you ought to be dramatically different than you were before. Over this past year, I've been meeting with pastors out at the lake doing a little fishing and just talking to them and, and, and offering our services to help if they want to start doing outreach or different things that, that they're struggling with and not doing. And there's several that just want to do something, don't know how to do it. And we sit and fish for a couple hours and we talk about it. And I said, what's your church going to look like on the other side of the pandemic? What's it going to look like on the other side? What's going to change? What will be different? You know, you know some things that will be different? We'll continue to do online stuff like we've never done it before. That'll happen. We may wear masks. We may not. We don't know. We don't know all the details. But shouldn't we be different on the other side of this pandemic than when we went in? It might be the difference between being fans of God and fanatics for God. Shouldn't we recognize that more and more signs are showing us that we're in the end times? Shouldn't we recognize that? And shouldn't it cause a reaction in the believer? Turn to the book of Galatians. They're going to put it on the screen, I believe. Chapter 5. And as they do that, let me, just, let me just remind you again that last statement I made because this is important. The understanding is this, that because of Christ and his work on the cross, I will never be the same. Say that with me. I will never be the same. Say it again. I will never be the same. Because of what? Christ and what he did. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, so Christ has really set us free. Who set us free? Christ. We'll read right past that. Because we become Christianized or Christianese or whatever. We read the Bible. But you know, when, when you read a sentence like, so Christ has really set us free, you ought to stop and pause for a minute and reflect on what, what that looked like for you. And then it says, now make sure that you stay free. Oh, Listen, guys, I don't want to touch too touchy of subject today. I'm really not going down that road. But this implies something, that you can lose it. He says in Galatians, the writer, so Christ has really set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. You want to know why? Because the enemy is coming after you. The minute you gave your life to Christ, the devil went on the, the prowl. He's after you. He wants you back. It says, so make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in a slavery of law. Now look what it says in verse 2. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are continuing and counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ cannot help you. And this is why. He's not a surgeon, he's a savior. If you need him to be circumcised to be right with Christ, you're going to the wrong hospital. He's not a surgeon. He's a savior. Look what it goes on to say in verse 3. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey all the regulations in the whole law of Moses. It's a tall order. He says, for if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. We were talking about this last night with a couple of our board members, and we talked about the Amish and how we're pretty good friends with them, and we barter exchange and do a lot of stuff together. But when you talk about what they believe, they believe that they've got to live a good life, and they've got to do all these deeds and live the best life that they can and draw no attention to themselves. 
They're basically saying we need to get circumcised and we need to follow every law that we can think of rigidly. And let me tell you about my Amish friends. I love them. But they got the same traps and snares set for them as the devil just like we do. Just like we do. Now who set you free? Christ, right? They don't have a relationship with Christ. They have a hope of salvation. They're hoping if they live good enough, they'll make it. Now, how are you going to stay free? I didn't write this stuff, so if you struggle with saved and unsaved and once saved, always saved, you work that out on your own. Work out your own salvation, but listen to what it says. It says not only were you set free by Christ, but now you have to figure out how to stay free in Christ. How do you do it? By living a good life, doing good deeds? Those are things we ought to do and should do, but that's not the determining factor. No, let me tell you why hell is full of good people. Paul repeats it in verse 3 and applies simple logic to make his point. Look at just verse 3 again. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must also obey all the regulations in the whole law of Moses. Anybody seen the whole law of Moses lately? Pretty thick. A lot of stuff in there. His simple logic is this. If you are depending on the law to keep you free, you must obey all of the laws. And since none of us are perfect, you are committing circumcisional suicide because it's impossible. It's impossible with our fallen nature to follow every law and never fail. Trying to obtain and maintain righteousness through obedience of the law will result in separation from Christ. It said it in verse 4. If you want to go that route, the result is one. One single result. It will result in separation from Christ and the removal. Listen to this. The removal, which means if you remove something, it had to be there, right? Can't remove something that wasn't there. It results in the removal of God's grace. The removal of God's grace. You know what he said? It, it causes God to take his hand off of you. How many want to live in this life without the hand of God? I know when we were in that wreck, and if you saw the picture of our Durango, which just broke both axles and crumpled it, I know that was the hand of God. Because these two vehicles met at full speed. Neither one of us broke. Neither one of us saw the other one. No skid marks. Full on T, 50, 60 miles an hour. And yeah, the car looks bad, and, and uh, when it, it knocked us across the road and almost into this building, and we're sitting there dazed. We don't even know what happened because we never saw it coming. And I can hear Kathy kind of whimpering in the back, and Caden a little confused but groaning a little bit. And I'm kind of crumpled, and my left lung is, is in serious pain, and my ribs feel like they're broken, and my shoulder, and... And the sheriff comes up, and he's on the radio already by the time I came to or what. I don't know how they got there so fast, but they did. Praise God for them. And he's on the radio, and he said, bring the jaws of life. We're going to need to get these folks out of the car. And I said, and I hit the door with my shoulder, and it popped open. He said, never mind. <laughs> it just happened to pop open. It was badly bent, and hers popped open, too, so they didn't need the jaws of life to get us out. But I will tell you this. I'm glad for the hand of God's grace in my life. Because we probably should have died. The sheriff said you should have died. He said, but because of the way he hit you in that big truck, it snapped your axles, which kept you from flipping over and over and over and over and just drug you. To me, that's the hand and the grace of God. I want that in my life, but if I want to feel like I have to be perfect and do everything right all the time, then I'm going to be separated from God if I feel like that's my way to God. And I know it's not. See, a fan says, I'm a... I'm a good law-abiding believer, but a fanatic says, I'm a godly, faith-abiding, grace-gobbling tailgater for God. I want to be more than just a believer in God. How many people in your life, friends and family, say, I believe in God, but you see no evidence? And then they die, and you do the funeral, and everybody's wondering, did they or didn't they? Seemed to be no evidence. However, they said they did. See, it's about turning from the old and trusting in the new. You see, a fan will eat at the table of his old bondage, but a fanatic will obey and eat at the table of his new master. Who you eat with, who you hang with, 
And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. I want you to look at verse 5 through 10, and we're going to look at some things that will help us stay free. Because I didn't write it. It's right there. You can read it. And if you're struggling with the translation, then it's between you and God. That's the way I see it. It was there, and it can, be, it can leave. It can be removed according to his words, not mine. Galatians chapter 5 says, But we who live by the Spirit, everybody say Spirit. Spirit. We who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive everything promised to us who are right with God through faith. Didn't say through good deeds, did it? Said through faith. Now listen to those words again. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly. What does eagerly mean? With anticipation, hungry, ready, on the move, doing something for God. With eager, eagerly wait to receive, which means we're looking to receive something. Everybody says, well, we shouldn't do it to receive something. Too bad. That's the way it's written. If you're eager about it, you're going to get something. This is not like a deal you turn down from Walmart who buzzes me about every day telling me I want a $1,000 giveaway. Anybody else get that? <laughs> eagerly, until we receive everything promised. Those are big words. Eagerly, receive Everything promised to us who are right with God through good deeds and works. No, through our faith. Our faith makes these things happen. Because God designed it that way. Verse 6 says, For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus. I'm reading this slow and hard because I want you to get these words. When we place. When who does? We do. Not God. This is not his part of it. It says, when we place our faith in Christ Jesus. Not when we just go to the altar and pray a prayer and nothing changes, but when we place our faith, our belief, what we process, that's what our faith is, what we felt in our heart and felt in our spirit. When we place it, when we take action to put it in place, in Christ Jesus, it says, it makes no difference to God whether you are circumcised or not circumcised. What is important is, there's that word again, faith. Expressing itself in love. When you place your faith in Christ, you're doing it as an expression of love for Christ, for the thing that he did for you on the cross that makes you saved and ought to make you a fanatic for Jesus. Verse 7. You were getting along so well. Paul's talking to the people of Galatia, of, uh, yeah, of Galatia, and he says, man, what happened? You guys were getting along so well. Listen to what he says. Who has interfered with you to hold you back from following truth? You've got grace. It can be removed. Who got in the way? What got in the way? Doesn't have to be a person. One of the things that got in the way of my relationship with Christ was not my fanaticism for him, but my fanaticism for the Cowboys. There was a time before I was truly saved and serving God that if they lost, I got sick, sometimes for a couple of days. Because as Rob and I, being Cowboys fans of the 70s, we didn't lose a lot, right? We didn't lose very often. That's why we were in the playoffs like 17 years in a row, something like that back in the early times. We didn't lose a lot. And I'm just a kid or a young man, and I'm, I'm getting, I get sick to my stomach. If I see a certain play, I get sick to my stomach. And I'm like, I'm, I, this is bad. Because what had happened with this, it became what? An idol. It still looks like it. We're on an altar, and we've got all this stuff. But <laughs> it's not. I promise. But it became an idol in my life. If it causes you to be sick, you know what causes me to be sick now? Sin. The guilt, I'm so grateful for the Holy Ghost and the guilt that comes along with sin. It makes me sick. And if it's not making you sick, if your sin is not making you sick, you've got a problem. You've got a problem. So he says, you were getting along so well. What, what interfered to hold you back from following the truth? It says in verse 8, it certainly isn't God. That's pretty clear. For he is the one who called you to freedom. And in verse 9 it says, But it takes only one wrong person among you. How many does it take? One. Not a group. 
not a Jim Jones cult or anything like that, just one wrong person among you to infect all the others, a little yeast spreads quickly through the whole batch of dough. Now, verse 10 says this, I am trusting the Lord to bring you back to believing. That's for you to process. Back to believing as I do about these things. God will judge that person, whoever it is, who has been troubling and confusing you. But it's your responsibility to let them go. It's your responsibility to put it down. <clears throat> when we pastored at the City View, um, and a lot of people that smoked, and a lot of people that was doing weed, and a lot of people that was doing drugs, and we would have a great service, and the Spirit of God would move, and people would come to the altar, and before you knew it, there's packs of cigarettes laying on the altar. That was our church. We were used to it. We loved it. I even got marijuana laid at the altar. And I remember that after a service one night, uh, we had had a great altar service, and people had given, laid down their addictions and their vices, and stuff was laying on the stage. And then we had coffee house right afterwards, so I had to rush over there to get everything going with the coffee house band. And then I, I left something. They needed a microphone from the stage in the sanctuary, so I ran back to get the microphone real quick. And there was someone in there picking their pack of cigarettes back up. They're just like, hi, pastor. And we had a good little talk. They laid him back down before I left, and then I locked the door. <laughs> so I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. Now listen to me closely. If some of you are going to move from fan to fanatic, and I don't know who you are, maybe everybody in here is a fanatic. Maybe this message is a waste of time, and you're not getting anything out of it. But if there's anybody here that's walking that casual Christian life as a fan, and you're going to change, you're going to have to kick some things to the curb. Now, a field goal is worth how many points? I'll help you. Three, three right? So I'm going to give you three points. Three points how, about how to stay with where God wants you to be or move on to fanaticism from being a fan. After all, it's just a field goal that wins most games. Can I get an amen? How many times? You know, I was going to bring a Tom Brady jersey in here. I was, well, maybe I can find a, a New England one. Couldn't find one of those either. Then I thought, we got goats. I'll bring a goat. Greatest of all time, right? Tom Brady. He's in the Super Bowl again. I can't hardly argue with that, right? But I want to tell you something. Most games and many games and many of the big games in history have been settled by a field goal. Just by a field goal. So after it was all said and done, here, here's the three things that you need to kick to the curb if you're going to move to fanaticism or you're going to take this jump. Number one, kick to the curb old friends. I'm not talking about old friends that know Jesus, love Jesus. I'm talking about old friends that are going to drag you down to places that will separate you from the graceful hand of God. Remember what I've already set up. Don't forget that when I say these things. I'm not talking about old family. I'm not talking about family members that are going to church someplace else today or they're here or whatever it might be. I'm talking about family members that constantly drag you and separate you through their own addictions or deeds that separate you from God. Those are the people you pray for and you think about and you get on your knees for, but you don't hang out with them. You've got to kick them to the curb. Second thing is this. Old ways. And the third thing is old cheese. And we'll get to those two in just a minute. Because I hate the Packers. I'm sorry, I said hate. I dislike the Packers very much. But we're going to talk about old cheese in a minute. And all these things that three points that you need to kick to the curb are all summed up in the verses found on the screen in Proverbs. Do we have those? If not, I'll just read them to you. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. You see, many Christians today that are struggling have failed to kick their past through the upright of God's righteousness. You've got to get that stuff out of your life. Look at it with me, and if it's, I'll just read it to you. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but whoever walks with a fool will suffer harm. It's one of my favorite verses to teach teenagers. Who are you walking with? Who are you talking with? I don't care how much you like him, you like her. I don't care how good a friend they seem to be. 
If they separate you from the grace of God, you can't walk with them. You will suffer what is intended for them to suffer because of their decision. Because here's the, other, the next verse. Trouble chases sinners while blessings chase the righteous. Trouble chases you. It's in pursuit of you. While blessings chase the righteous. So, so what are we talking about? Old friends. What are we talking about? Old ways. Old cheese. All these things. And, and let, me, let me break it down to you. What is it in our old friends that attract us so much to want to be with them? I've seen people walk out of the will of God because they got together with old friends. And you know what they did? They reminisced. Rob and I reminisced this morning over something that we love and care about. He and I spent hours, didn't know each other, but we spent hours playing this game. Hours. You know why we can reminisce? Because we're the same. We're bound by Christ. There's a lot of old cowboy fans that I know of that I'd never spend any time with other than to pray for them. I don't have to. I got brothers like that. I got other people I can bond with over sports and golf and basketball and baseball and all the things that I love and music and guitars. That's why Nathan and I have connected with music. You hang out and you're influenced by like-minded believers. So if you're going to stay free and not see the hand of God removed from you, you've got to kick to the curb old friends and people that are confusing you. That's what the word said, right? Who is it? that's confusing you? Who is it that's causing you to think that what you used to do is still okay to do? That's why we changed that song. Rob and I loved that song I did a few months ago when I was here. Turn the page. Don't listen to the original song. It's not a good song. It's terrible. I like to take those songs and switch them around. But the minute a bunch of people in this church heard the music, they all went, huh? I know that song. He's not going to sing that song, is he? I know what was going through your head. Because only me and the worship team knew what was going to happen. But trouble chases you when you get in with old friends and you start reminiscing about all the good times you used to have. And we know that sin can be fun. We know there's good times to be had out there doing what our flesh wants to do all the time. But I want to be chased by blessings. And I have been my entire career as a minister. God has chased me with blessings. Sometimes I'm like, what are you doing? I don't, you don't know. I can't take this. I can't take it. Just, just the other day, we received $5,500 in the mail we didn't expect. $5,500. That might as well have been $5 million, you know, at certain times in my life. You ever been there where... <laughs> Five dollars sometimes is nice to see in your wallet. So we got to kick old friends and people to the curb that are confusing our faith. And the second thing is this, old ways. We need to avoid them and places that entertain them. Listen to what I'm saying. Avoid old things in our lives and places that entertain them. James and I were uh, sitting at Red Lobster the other night waiting and there was these two ladies there and an old Huey Lewis song came on and I'm singing... That's the power of love. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't care. They ask me what I'm doing. I'll just say, have you ever heard about the power of God's love? You know, so, but she's like, hey, um, you sound good. Do you know there's a karaoke tonight over at, what, Jiggy's or Ziggy's or something, some kind of bar? And I said, really? I like singing karaoke's, and I actually like doing it in the bar so that people can hear my Christian music in the bar. Because when I do karaoke, I don't look at their time. I just take my guitar in and sing whatever I want. They're like, oh, wait, you're supposed to. I'm like, too bad, I've already done three songs. I'm sorry. <laughs> and so I could entertain that and go back. I would never do it alone, number one, without a Christian brother with me. But I would entertain that, but I'd have to be really careful because that's going to bring back some what? Some old memories of drinking and partying and doing all those things. So things from your past that are either dragging you down or you know will drag you down, you need to stay away from those. You need to run from those. And anything that entertains those things. Having an old buddy over just to talk. Well, have him over, but talk about God. Talk about how you've been delivered from those things. The best man at my wedding, 
36 years ago now, still lives here in Columbus. And for about the first 10 or 15 years after we got married and I'd been saved, he called me every year and said, hey, Mac, when are you going to be back in town? Let's go out and relive some old times. And I'm like, Ron, I can't do that anymore. I'm a different person. I'm a born believer in Jesus Christ. Can't go to the bars with you anymore. Can't go to the strip clubs with you anymore. Can't do any of that. He's like, oh, come on, man. Come on, man. I knew she was going to be bad for you. She wasn't bad for me, was she? She helped me keep the hand of God in my life. And every year for about, I'd say 15, honey, something like that, about 15 years every year I get this call from Ron. And every year I tell him the same thing. I said, won't you come up here, man, and come to church with me and come see what we do in the inner city. Ah, no, I'm not into that. And I'm like, okay. And then at about the 16th year, someone there, he stopped. So for 20 years now, he's not called me anymore. Because he finally got the message. I'm no longer just a fan. I'm no longer playing church. And he'd go to church when we were kids and stuff. I'm not playing church anymore. I'm not just reading the Bible. I want to live the Bible. And so he stopped, and I haven't heard from him since. I've tried to find him since we've been back in town. I haven't been able to find him. So old ways and old things and things that entertain your old ways. Stay away from my Dollar Tree. I think I told you that story. I was preaching one day, and after it was over, mom brought her little boy up, and, and uh, she said, he's confused and wants to ask you a question. He said, he said Pastor Tim, why um, can't we go to the Dollar Tree? Let that sink in for just a second. I told him to stay away from a Dollar Tree. He's like, why is the Dollar Tree bad? Because they got good toys. And I had to figure it out. I'm like, what is he talking about? idolatry, because I'm, I'm talking a little fast, I'm preaching, baby, I'm like, stay away from idolatry. It sounds like a dollar tree, doesn't it? But stay away from those idols and things that drug you down. Get them in proper perspective or get them out of your life. I no longer get sick at a cowboy's loss because it's becoming very common these days. So those two things. And then the third thing is this. Kick to the curb old cheese. Well, why do I say that? Here's what happens with old cheese, as you well know. Number one, if it gets old, it starts stinking. Avoid anything that would stink up your walk with God. So not just old cheese. I mean, we've all done it. We've all had old cheese. And Kathy's dad was his green block of cheese in there, and he said, just trim it off. That's good penicillin. He'd eat that old green moldy cheese. <laughs> Avoid anything that would stink up your walk with God. What are those things? There's all kinds of things. You have your own personal list. Yours doesn't look like mine, and mine doesn't look like yours. We probably share a few items. But for me, man, time management, attitude, behavior, how I talk to my kids, wife, and grandkids, i got to work on that all the time. I, I listed my car for sale on Marketplace, and uh, I got this thing back, and I made this guy an offer on a truck that he had and he's like I would never say his thing said make an offer all I can do is say no so I made an offer apparently it was something else he could say other than no because every <laughs> word in the book came through this text he called me every name in the book this that the other so anyway my first thought was well y'all I wanted to I wanted to but I didn't and I felt so good when I didn't. Can I get an amen? I felt so good when I didn't respond back to my old ways. When I didn't go back to my old ways. So get rid of things that stink in your life. Whatever it is that's getting in the way with your walk with God. Second is this. What happens to old cheese? It turns hard. Don't become hard, unteachable, obstinate, defensive, just because something's going wrong in your life. Kick that stuff to the curb. Be teachable. Be approachable. Be ready. You don't know who's coming to talk to you that God might have sent as a messenger. You don't know. Nobody knows. Those three points, so we need to kick to the curb people in our life, things in our lives, things that stink up our lives if we're going to be fanatic. And let me give you a few extra points because while a lot of games are won with field goals, Many are won by a missed or made extra point. You might miss it on the first touchdown and get beat by one point. Later, it could be 45 to 44 because you missed that chip shot. So here's some extra points before I close today. 
Proverbs 15.9 says, The Lord despises the ways of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue godliness. See, a fan doesn't pursue godliness. A fan just accepts God. A fanatic pursues God. A fanatic wants to wrestle with God and say, you're not leaving until I get my blessing. You're not leaving until I get my assignment. Did you know that crucial games have been won and lost with just one extra point? So get these down. I'm going to give you a few extra points. Proverbs 3, 33 says this. Oh, man, when I see that number 33, what do you think of, Rob? Tony Dorsett. Let me get back on track here. Proverbs 3, verse 33, because I love God more than I love Tony Dorsett. The curse of the Lord, listen to me, is on the house of the wicked, but his blessing is on the home of the upright. Where do you kick your extra point through? The uprights. Where do you kick your field goals through? Through the uprights. Here's an extra point for you. If you want your home to be blessed, kick the ball. Kick it on a regular basis. Kick those things to the curb that are tearing you down. Kick, kick, kick. Now on another side note that I have to share, did you know that I played with Emmett Smith, the greatest, well, not the greatest running back, but who, who has the most yards in NFL history. He and I played on the same team. When he left the Dallas Cowboys, he went to play for the Arizona Cardinals. And the place kicker for the Arizona Cardinals was no other than Tim McNamee. So, because you guys know me, you know I really didn't do that. But I can tell that other places, and I don't have to tell everything. Can I get an amen? <laughs> if you want to be blessed, kick the ball. Moms and dads, we have to do more than claim Christ. We have to proclaim Christ to our kids and for our kids. They need to see it every day being proclaimed in your life. Because a fan will just say, get up and go to church. But a fanatic parent will say, prepare yourself to go to church. Prepare yourself to worship. Oh, you don't know how? Watch us. And we're not going to put on a show for you. We're going to get into the presence of God. Proverbs 29.10 says, The bloodthirsty hate honesty, but the upright seek out the honest. Extra point. If you want to be blessed by God, seek honesty. Do everything you can to fight for honesty. You can and you will if you allow yourself to be led by the Spirit and not by the flesh. That's how we started this passage today in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Being led by the flesh. Led by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Remember, spiritual fruit is a direct result of spiritual growth through an awakening of our spiritual gifts. Let me say that again. Get this. Spiritual fruit is a direct result of spiritual growth through the awakening of our spiritual gifts. What kind of fruit are you talking about? What kind of fruit are you, you thinking about, Pastor? We'll drop down in Galatians, and we're going to close here in just a minute. Worship team, if you want to come up and get ready. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Give you a second to get there. Brought my big Pastor Rick clock. I love you, Pastor. I know you're watching. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Listen to what it says. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce that kind of fruit in us. And here they are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here there is no conflict with the law. It goes on to say, for those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. It's a good thing I didn't have time to load up all of our crosses and all the props I have because I'd had a big old cross up here and made you nail stuff to it. If we are living now by the Holy Spirit, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Let us not become conceited or irritate one another. Or be jealous of one another. Those are some of those things that we got to kick to the curb. That's a curb list right there. Jealousy, envy. It's the kind of fruit that separates the fan from the fanatic. It is the fruit of God. The fruit of the Spirit. 
says this is the inspired word of God. Holy, true, perfect in every way. It's incorruptible. It's indestructible and undeniable. Because of its power, I will never be the same. We've already said that before. Say it again. I will never be the same. And what it says for me, what it says today, I will receive. What Christ did for me and for my family must dominate my words, dominate my works, and because it has determined my destiny. It should be at the forefront of everything and everything that I do and everything that I say. And it's hard to keep it out there on the tip of your tongue. What does that mean? It means this. That by the way I talk every day, not just at church, people who know who I am and who I live for, but it's how I talk to guys that want to cuss me out. It's how I talk to the rude cashier or the gas station attendant that might cause the, the, the thing of Christ to come out of me because I don't want it to be so common that I only do it when I can. We've had several people come out and look at vehicles, and every one of them is foul-mouthed in North Vernon, Indiana. I wish someone would teach a language class in North Vernon, Indiana. Every one of them, i got to shut them down. i got kids here, man. You can't talk like that. Oh, I'm sorry, Pastor. I'm sorry. It means that people could easily identify who we are by who we serve. The evidence needs to be clear. It means that if I'm saved, I can't be silent. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you, brothers, to present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service for what he's done. I believe that that's true. How many would say it's reasonable to, to exchange for the salvation and eternal life our service to God? Not just be a fan of God, but be a fanatic for God. To live our lives according to God's word. To tell others of his son's sacrifice for our sins. To serve the less fortunate, which is the heartbeat of God. To spread the good news. That's who we are. guys can go ahead I want to um, Nathan asked me what song do you want us to play at the end this song has rocked me from the day I heard it and it still does today how do you become a fanatic instead of just a fan how do you become that person that I preached about today there's only one way you got to give yourself away can't be about you anymore can't be about I'm sorry, it can't be about your family. It can't be about your job. We can say all we want. We hear fathers say all the time, yeah, I may not have told them I loved them, but I provided a roof over their head. Thanks, Dad. A lot of people could have done that. But no one else can give me my dad's love but you. Do what it is that nobody else can do. And you know what that is? Whatever God tells you to do. Because he's got something unique for each and every one of us. He's taught us how to parent, how to be husbands and wives. That's all in there. It's all written down. Because no one can be a husband to your wife like you can. No one can be a wife to her husband like you can. It's a unique opportunity to do a unique thing given to you by a unique God. The one and only. The great I am. And today, I'm just going to invite you. I think you guys are, st are still coming to the altar or not? Do we have altar workers and all that? We're doing the same thing. Altar workers any of those here come down and I'm going to turn this back over to work, but we want to give you an opportunity I guess that happens at the end doesn't it I'll let, I'll let Evan illustrate that part of it but what I want you to think about if you're thinking about coming to the altar for prayer if you'd honestly say am I just a fan or am I a fanatic being a fan doesn't mean you're not saved but I want you to be saved hard I don't want it to be so obvious that everybody knows it I'm just going to take this, Evan. I'm just going to take it. Altar workers, come now if we got any. If you want prayer today, as a matter of fact, does everybody just stand up with me? Would you stand up with me? I don't care what you come for prayer for. 
God told me today. He's looking for some people that'll move from fans to fanatics. That means taking a step. means letting people see you. If you're worried about that, you won't step. Don't worry about that. They can't. They can't help you. They might help you if you take the step. But God has something specific for you to take you from fan to fanatic. bow your heads and close your eyes real quick. I'm going to pray. And then if you want to come forward after that, I'm going to give you time for that. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for our pastor who is down and out right now. And I pray for extreme and and quick healing for his eyes. That you would touch him, God, miraculously and, and dumbfound the doctors. We don't have to wait for six weeks if you say we don't. We don't have to recover the full length if you say we don't. So I pray that your healing hand would reach down and touch him. Because I know he's a fanatic for you. He is hungry for your word. He's a Christ follower. He's an executioner. He does those things. We we follow, we believe, and then we execute. That's what a fanatic does. We follow, we study, we execute. That's what a disciple is. God, I pray for every person in this room right now who maybe is feeling like, you know what, I I am just a fan. Or or maybe I'm in the middle somewhere. Maybe I'm on my way to fanaticism. God, I just pray that you would touch their hearts and minds and if they want to come down and agree with somebody else in prayer, then they're going to get an opportunity to do that. But we want to thank you today, Lord God, that you have shined down on us here at Columbus First Assembly. God, you have blessed this church, moving it into financial freedom and all the different things that you're doing and working through the great leadership of this church. We have amazing pastors and their wives and staff, Lord God, board members. We got it all. But we need to be fanatical for you. And we love you and we thank you for this day. Pastor Evan. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. 